Thank you, Jessica. Kids, you are dismissed for Children's Church at this time. <clears throat> and let's take our Bibles. We will turn to John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3. Palm Sunday. It's a time when we think about the triumphal entry of Christ. We think about people crying out, Hosanna. We think about people so caught up in the moment that they throw palm branches on the ground in front of Christ as He enters Jerusalem. Even taking their cloaks and throwing it on the ground as well. What a wonderful reception for the Son of God. And yet, in less than a week, many of the same people who cried out, Hosanna, cry out, crucify Him. What happened? You know, when we look at people, there's always been this what-have-you-done-for-me-lately mentality. But less than a week, my goodness, what a change. Here's the issue. The people on Palm Sunday were ready to receive Jesus on their terms. Political deliverer. One who would finally deliver them from the boot of Rome on their necks. They were excited to receive someone like that. But they weren't excited about receiving a Savior. One who would deliver them from a much greater need. The need of deliverance from sin and its consequences. They couldn't see that. And you know, people today are very much the same. There are people ready to receive Jesus as a great teacher. It's a wonderful prophet. They're ready to receive the Jesus that they want Him to be, but not the Jesus that He's revealed Himself to be. And we need to understand why. And to me, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, especially verses 19 through 21, gives us a wonderful explanation as to why people reject Jesus Christ. Now, John, chapter 3, records for us a conversation that took place between Nicodemus, a leading teacher of the Jewish people, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And during this interview, Jesus was pointing out to Nicodemus, hey, it's not what you've done in Judaism, all of the externals that makes you right with God. You have to be born again. You have to place your faith in the Son of God in order to have a relationship with God the Father. And that's the point of this interview, this conversation. And he's driving that point home to Nicodemus. But once you're faced with the truth of Jesus Christ, something must be done with the truth. You can't just look at the truth and say, yeah, you know, you're probably right. I really need to do something about my relationship with God through Jesus someday. That kind of faith isn't a faith that saves. Now, the faith that saves is a faith that comes to the place that says, yes, Jesus is my hope of a relationship with the Father, and here's what I'm going to do about it. 
and then actually doing it. Why do people reject Jesus? As we come to the 19th verse of John chapter 3, I want you to look carefully at what the Scripture says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The Scripture is revealing to us the very heart of man. And what it's sharing with us is why people reject the light of God's truth, Jesus Christ. It's sharing with us that it's a decision, but it's a decision that brings consequence. They choose darkness over light. And look at what the very first words of this 19th verse reveal to us. The NIV translates it, this is the verdict. You know what? I like other translations a little bit better. In the New American Standard and the English Standard versions of the Bible, it says, this is the judgment. In the King James, it says, this is the condemnation. What it's saying to us is this. God brings His judgment on man for the way man responds to the very truth that is revealed in Jesus Christ. Now we know this from the context because look at verses 17 and 18 that lead up to this. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Man rejecting the light of God's truth stands separated from God. Condemned. And until he leaves that idea that I will not accept Jesus Christ, until he leaves that behind and accepts Jesus Christ, he stands condemned according to the Word of God. And here in the 19th verse, the Scripture is continuing that theme. Man remains in his condemnation and he will continue to reject Jesus Christ left on his own. Why is that? Look carefully at the 19th verse. Man continues in his rejection very simply because when light came into the world, in other words, Jesus Christ, the one who would reveal truth about God and truth about man's sin, when he came into the world, what did man do? Man loved darkness instead of the light. Really what we find in this 19th verse are two reasons that man rejects Jesus Christ. And the first reason is very clear. Men love darkness. You see, the Scripture tells us that man, because of his rebellious nature, is in a place to where he wants to live in lawlessness. This is really what sin is. As a matter of fact, in John's first epistle, he says this, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So this is man's attitude. Man says, I want to do what I want to do. I want to stand against what God has established as far as moral boundaries. And I want to do my own thing. I want to break what God has said. 
I want to live the way I choose to live. And as a result, when Jesus Christ came into this world, revealed the truth of God, revealed God in the flesh, what was man's response? Man came to the place to where he decided, I will not know Him. I will not understand Him. I will not receive the very truth of God that stands right before me. Earlier, in the Gospel of John, the very first chapter, John explained it this way. Through Him, referring to Jesus Christ, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but then look at this. The darkness has not understood it. Darkness is a general attitude of man. It is that which is apart from the very light and revelation of God's truth. It's a decision to remain outside the realm of what God has revealed and to go your own independent way. And so when man insists, I'm going my own independent way, he will not understand the revelation of God. There are two approaches to truth. Either we look at what God has revealed and make that our standard for truth, or we go man's way, where man will determine many truths. And he'll look and say, this may be true, and this may be true. And even though they're contradictory, they can both be true. It's a ridiculous approach. God revealed truth in Christ Jesus. Man rationalizes truth because of his arrogance. And when man tries to understand God in man's way, he remains in darkness. Until he humbles himself and says, I will understand the God of revelation, the truth, the standard that he has given. Until man humbles himself and comes to that place, he'll remain in darkness. And that's why people reject Jesus Christ. Later in that first chapter, it says this, He was in the world, referring to Christ. And through Him the world was made through Him. The world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Now, here's something interesting. Even religious people rejected Jesus Christ. You know what it means when it says Jesus came to His own and His own did not receive Him? He came to the religious people, to the Jews, to the people who had the revelation of God as to what Jesus would be like. And even the religious people, because they were married to a religious system, rather than looking for the light of God's truth, what did they do? They rejected Him. When man follows man-made religious systems or man-made philosophy, they cannot know or understand God. The only way they come to know God is responding to the very revelation of God. And so man was preferring darkness over light. The darkness of man's understanding. The darkness that looks at sin and rationalizes it rather than looking at what God reveals and coming to terms with his sin. God was there in their midst in the person of Jesus Christ and they rejected him. You see, when we see God for who He is. There's an awareness of our sin 
And where there's an awareness of our sin, there's an awareness of our need. If we refuse to receive what God has revealed, we will remain in our sin. It's guaranteed. But when we receive what God has revealed, it changes us. I think of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah shares a vision where he goes into the very presence of God. And in the throne room of God, he's looking at the Holy One and he says this, they were calling to one another, these are the angels that were there, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. So here is an encounter with the holy God in the throne room. What is the first thing that Isaiah recognizes? His own sin. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Here's the point. When we see the very revelation of God, His light, His truth, we become very aware of our own shortcomings, our own sin. People prefer to not have light shed on their sin and their shortcomings. They prefer the darkness to light. Don't bring out all of the wrong things I've done. I would like to keep those hidden, thank you very much. Don't shed light on who I am and what I'm really like. God's light, God's truth does that very thing. You see, darkness brings about a blindness for them. If they confront the truth of God, the very revelation of God, instantly they're shown for what they are. But if they can mask it with human philosophy or human man-made religions, then they don't have to deal with it. They can receive Christ on their terms. And they're very comfortable with that. But what we need to understand is this. Jesus came to be the light of the world. When people are brought into the presence of Christ's light of truth, there's no place to hide. He shows them for what they are. Man might try by his own reason or his own religion to be right with God, but when Christ and His truth is brought on the scene, it's shown for what it is. Inadequate. Dark. Light, on the other hand, is associated with life. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Man must abandon the darkness. Man must abandon his own reason that's based on things apart from God's revelation. Man must abandon the religion that he's made that he's really comfortable with. He must turn to the light of God that has revealed God's truth. 
and find his relationship with God there. For it is in the revelation of God that man finds life, not apart from it. Now, I want you to look carefully at the 19th verse. Rather than embracing the light of this world, what did man do? Light has come into the world, then look at this, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Man loved darkness. Isn't it interesting as we look at this text? Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. God loved the world and gave His Son. Now look at verse 19. But men loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Man loved darkness so much that he rejected the gift that God had given. Do you catch that? God loved and gave. Man loved and rejected. And God wants us to understand that this brings consequence. We come to the place to where we love our darkness, our own reason, our own religion apart from God. There is a separation that takes place. And here's what happens. We find an acceleration in evil. Look at the last part of the 19th verse. Men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Evil deeds kind of bring us into this spiral away from God. The more we commit ourselves to evil by practicing it, the further we go into darkness. And we literally spiral away from God. What is evil? Evil is something that is devoid of the character and the nature of God. So when I, as a human being, commit myself to evil, I'm committed to a course that moves further and further away from God. And how do we tell what we're really committed to? By our actions. If a person is committed to Christ, it will be demonstrated by the way they live, right? If a person is committed to evil, it will be demonstrated by the way they live. Evil people will do evil things. That's why it's inconsistent for a believer to practice evil. If I'm committed to the light, how in the world... Do I engage in evil? By the same token, if I'm committed to evil, I'm going to spiral further and further away from the light. And don't we see that in our society? In a society that has systematically rejected the light of God's truth, we are seeing a society that has spiraled out of control. That's what happens when men love darkness more than the light because their deeds are evil. We need to understand that we need to commit ourselves to the revelation of God's truth. And here's the amazing thing. Remember, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader. As a matter of fact, if most people were to look at Nicodemus, they would have said, now here's a righteous man. 
But here's the thing. His religion had become a man-made religion. And because he had a man-made religion, when God himself was before him, he couldn't recognize him as God in the person of Jesus Christ. So what can really be subtle about being in the darkness is this. There are things that will present themselves as light, but aren't really light at all. They'll appear to be good and religious and wonderful, but when you look at their substance, it rejects the light of God's truth. And even if it appears to be good and right, if it rejects the light of God's truth, it's darkness, just darkness disguised as light. Now, how do we know that darkness can disguise itself as light? Look, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. Here, Paul was talking about false apostles who had crept into the church at Corinth. These were guys that were masquerading as wonderful representatives of God's truth, but they were spewing forth lies. And look at what Paul says. These guys got away with it, basically is the context of this, because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Here's the idea. Evil people, those who are orchestrated by Satan himself, don't walk into a church with a t-shirt that says, I'm a representative of Satan. I wish it were that easy to spot. But they don't do it. They don't walk in with horns holding a pitchfork. You can't identify them that easily, can you? So how do we identify whether someone's of the light or someone's of the darkness? We identify them by how they match up to the revelation of God's truth, the light. If they just talk about the light, but don't really match up with what God revealed in His Word in the light, then they aren't the light. Even if they use Christianese, even if they say praise the Lord and hallelujah here and there, doesn't mean a thing if the basic tenets of what they teach don't match up with the Word of God. Nicodemus had to come to that realization in order to pass from darkness into the light. Many of the religious leaders never got it. They stayed committed to their man-made religion to the end. And unfortunately, their end is what their actions deserve. We need to understand that there are people who are going to reject Jesus because they're so committed to darkness, they refuse to embrace the light. Here's a second point. For those who are in darkness, they conceal it in darkness rather than having their deeds exposed. Look at verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. This is such a profound statement when we look at this in this text. How does a person feel about the revelation of God? Very simply, it's stated by their actions. You know, I can walk in and say, hey, I'm a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. 
But let me tell you something. If my actions don't demonstrate my faith, then I don't have a faith. It's stated as clearly as it can be stated in this text. The way you respond to God's truth is demonstrated by your behavior. So, if I'm claiming to be a Christian, but living in abject darkness, my words are completely nullified by my actions. We need to live what we believe. Our faith is demonstrated by what we do. Now, one approach to darkness, one approach to living a sinful lifestyle is to hide it. Again, look at this 20th verse. Everyone who does evil hates the light. They may talk a good game about loving the light, but if they're doing evil, they are by their actions demonstrating a hatred toward it. But here's the next part of this. They will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. They would rather hide and rationalize their sin than deal with it. I like what John writes in his epistle a little bit later. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we look and we say, hey, you know those wrong things that I do, they're there, they're not sin. I didn't lie, I just prevaricated the truth. You know? We rename it and it's something totally different and we're cool with it. That's the idea. We hide it. We conceal it. What God wants us to do is, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just, forgive us our sin, and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know what it means to confess? To agree with God. The word confess in that text very simply means speak the same. I am saying what God says about my sin, and I'm agreeing with Him. That's confessing our sin. And when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar. In other words, if I sin and I say, God calls this a lie, but it's not really, what am I doing? I'm saying God doesn't tell the truth. And guess who's wrong in that count? Me. We need to be careful not to be people who hide the sin, who takes sin and just, if nobody sees it, it's not really sin. You know, that's kind of like when you're on a diet and you sneak food, and food that nobody sees me eat doesn't have any calories. That's the idea. God doesn't want us to call sin something else. He wants us to allow the light of His truth to expose our sin for what it is. And you know, seeing ourselves is frightening, isn't it? When the light of God's righteousness shines on my sinful behavior, it hurts. I don't want to deal with that. I certainly don't want anyone else to know about it. And here's the light of God shining on this 
I don't like that. I want it hidden. So what does man do? Rather than coming to the light, he shrinks away from it. And he hides in the darkness. And he says, if I'm away from the light, maybe people won't see how bad I really am. And maybe I won't see how bad I really am and have to do something about it and deal with it. Man wants to shrink away from the truth of God. And here's something else. Sometimes man even shrinks away from others who are in darkness because they don't want to deal with them. John chapter 12, verse 42, talks about how people are responding to Jesus' message. And look at this in verse 42. At the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in Him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise from men more than the praise from God. Now before we look at them and go, oh, How could they do that? How could they not speak up for their faith in Jesus Christ? We've all been there, haven't we? Somebody says something that discounts Jesus Christ and there's that voice in us that says, man, you should speak up. You should say something, but we don't for fear of what others will say about us. The peer group pressure of darkness can be intense. But we should not shrink away from it. You see, it's impossible to hide our sin from God. God sees everything. I like what the writer of Hebrews wrote. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. God sees it. Don't shrink away and go into darkness and think I can hide my sin from God. Acknowledge it. Allow the light to expose it and then deal with it as God would have you deal with it. Second point. By the way, this will go much faster than the first point, so take heart. But here's the second point we need to understand. People who receive Jesus respond to God's truth. Where those in darkness reject the truth of God, those who respond to Jesus embrace the truth of God. And this is what we need to understand as we move through this text. When we come to verse 21, what do we find? We find in verse 21 that people who receive Jesus do indeed respond to God's truth and they embrace what has been revealed. Where those in verses 19 and 20 reject what has been revealed, verse 21 shares with us that those who come to the truth live it out. Verse 20 shares with us that they hate the light. They won't come to it. Verse 21 says they embrace it as something that is true and that is theirs. What does it mean to embrace the light of God's truth. Look at this 21st verse again. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what is done, he has done, uh, has been done through God. What we need to understand is this. When we come to the light, we embrace it as truth It's going to be seen by us living out the truth. Literally, what this text is saying is this. He does the truth 
by coming to the light. In other words, once we come into the place to where we look at the revelation of God and say, yes, I accept this as true, and not only do I accept it as true, I will change my heart and allow God to transform me. Once we come to that place, God does a work in us, and there is indeed transformation that takes place. We don't make Jesus out to be somebody that we want Him to be. We accept Jesus for who He has revealed Himself to be, and there's a big difference. A man-made Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. The revealed Jesus from God's Word is the one that we should worship, the one that we should follow, the truth that we should embrace. As I said in the introduction, during the triumphal entry, people were more than willing to embrace the Jesus that they had made up. The Jesus who was the political deliverer. The Jesus who was the miracle worker. The Jesus who was the king who would deliver us from Rome. But they had forgotten other passages that talked about a suffering Messiah. The one who, by his stripes, we are healed. We need to understand that that's the Jesus that we need to accept. He's the Jesus that we need to follow. Jesus Christ revealed Himself to be the only way to the Father. God Himself who was among us. Look at John 8.58. When Jesus was talking about Himself to the religious leaders who had rejected Him, look at what He says. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. Hundreds of years after Abraham, Jesus is saying, I was already existing before Abraham was. That's what it means, before Abraham was, I am. You know what he was saying? I'm God. Now, the people understood this perfectly because look at the religious leader's response. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. Why did they want to stone him? They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. He's claiming to be God. So Jesus revealed himself to be who? God in the flesh. But the people loved darkness more than the light, so they rejected that. Look at what else Jesus said in John 14. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. You do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now here, Jesus is claiming the only way to God and to be God himself. So when we embrace the light, what are we embracing? That Jesus is God who became flesh lived among us, died for our sin, and provided the only way for us to know the Father. Not a way, the way. Not a truth, but the absolute revelation of God's truth. Not an avenue to life, but life itself. We need to understand 
that when we embrace that light, it will have a radical effect on our lives. When we live by the truth, we come into the light. In other words, when I am committed to seeing what really is, what is absolute truth, then I will come to the source of that truth, the light of Jesus Christ. Anything else? Just a game. The light of God's truth is Jesus Christ Himself. Final point. When we receive Jesus Christ and embrace Him as the truth, we evidence the work of God in us. I want you to look at the last part of this verse. When we come into the light, what happens? It is plainly seen that what we have done has been done through God. What this text is telling us is this. There is a supernatural change in us that is brought about by the very power of God when we come to the light. You see, coming to the light isn't about me reforming myself and then turning to God. It's about me coming to terms with the fact I am a sinner, I need God, and I'm willing to turn toward God, away from my sin, toward God, and allow God to reform me and change me and make me into the kind of person that He wants me to be. And here's the evidence. When I reform myself, it lasts for a little bit, but it plays out because I can't pull it off. Eventually, I'm right back to square one or square negative one or ten. <laughs> you know, negative ten. I, I just can't reform myself in my own effort and my own strength. But when I come to the light and God does the work of transformation, things happen. I love what Paul says to the Philippians. Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When God begins that work in us, there is change that takes place, and it's lasting change. God does the work in us that brings transformation. And to me, that is the evidence that I've come into the light. If I just talk about being in the light but live like the rest of the world, the evidence isn't there. I'm talking a good game, but I'm not living it. When we come into the light, the light changes us. It shows us for what we are. We are broken before God. We recognize our need and we run to the light to be delivered from what we've just seen. There has to be an understanding of our need and our sin to come to the light. And if I'm just saying, yeah, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin, but I don't change, I do not have a saving faith. 
You see, faith means to entrust ourselves to God. It's not an intellectual ascent. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross. And He died for my sin. And that's really good by me. That's not the idea. It's coming to God and saying, Jesus came and died on the cross because of my sin. And I have a tremendous need that can't be met in anyone or anything else. I'm humbling myself before God. I'm trusting that Jesus' death on the cross pays for the sin, the terrible sin that I've committed. I am broken before you, God. I recognize my sin. I recognize my need. I turn from my sin to you, and I ask you to change me and make me the kind of person you want me to be. That's when we truly come to the light. Apart from that, it's just the light that's at the end of the tunnel, and I'm hanging out in the darkness till I step toward it and respond to what Christ has revealed. I have not come into the light. So we need to ask ourselves, where are we? Have we come into the light? Many of you have. Thank God for that. But perhaps there's some who have not. Perhaps there are some who have talked about the light, who through their background have been raised to have an understanding of the light, but they've never come to a place to where they've said, I have need of the light because my deeds have been dark. I have been a sinner, and I need to turn to the light away from my sin. I don't care if you were raised in a Christian home. I don't care if you've been a part of a church all of your life. You can still be in darkness. Coming to the light means you get serious about your faith with Jesus Christ. You don't dabble in it. You don't play at it. You look and you say, I need to be forgiven and to turn to Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads this time. What I want you to do is, if you've trusted Christ, pray with me for those who need to know Christ as their Savior. And if during the course of this message, you've come to the conclusion, I've never really turned my life over to Christ. I've talked about the light. I've played at church but I've never committed my heart and my life to Jesus and lived the light. Then I ask you this morning to pray with me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I have sinned. And I have lived a life apart from you. I confess to you that I am a sinner and that I am in need of the forgiveness that comes only through Jesus Christ. I turn from my sin to you, God. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be.
change me and make me one who comes to the light and lives the light. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have...